If you're listening live, this episode is coming out a little bit late because I've mostly been t- sick and tired and also a little bit uninspired by <laughs> this week's uh, theme. But I feel like I found a story that could kind of fit in here. So here's Kim Kardashian's story. Hi, I'm Kim Kardashian, and I'm really excited to be your host for WrestleMania 24. <laughs> here's what I know. Somewhere along the way, you mastered media in a way that has transformed it forever. You created a thing that didn't have a name. It was like you were in digital and we were all still in analog. You became the template upon which this entire concept of the influencer has been built. You were the first one of us, in other words, living in the metaverse. Then, just when we think we have you pegged, you start studying law and taking meetings at the White House. Okay, we have a lot to cover, so let's just jump in. Okay. First things first, congratulations on passing the first part of the bar exam. Thank you. It it really feels so good. Why are you doing this now? Why decide to study law when you are at the height of your business career and a mom of four? I had always been really interested in specific cases. Um, I always was that girl that was really interested in staying home and watching true crime shows, and I got into true crime podcasts. And then I saw a case that really resonated with me, and I really didn't understand why someone that had a low-level first-time drug offense had the same exact sentence as Charles Manson. Mm. I sent the case to my attorney, and once I saw that I was able to make a difference— there was no way that I could stop. And so I started to get invited to really serious clemency meeting in the Roosevelt Room. And there was all of these really high, you know, profile people and high-powered people. And everyone seemed to kind of talk this other language that I didn't really speak. And I thought, okay, I am bringing my attorney everywhere with me to translate and for me to really digest what everyone's saying. And I just wanted to know more so that I can do more. And, you know, I had this conversation with Van Jones. I did his show on CNN, and we connected talking about law school and a a bunch of stuff. And he said, well, why don't you go? Like, this is the Mm. program in California. You know, you'd need a firm to sponsor you. And so he said, you know, my firm will sponsor you. And he said, why don't you just have a conversation with a friend of mine, a girl named Jessica Jackson, who's this, like, kick-ass attorney my age, did it all, and she was in college, had a baby, figured it out. And I I looked at her and I was like, God, like, I could do this. And they were all so encouraging and so excited to be on this journey with me. And we just were like, let's do it. Let's go. And, you know, I did it and I didn't pass the bar. And Mm -hmm. for people that don't understand and think that this is like an easy way out or the easy way to go to law school. I think it's really complicated. And I've heard that a lot. And I try to tune that stuff out. But it does, you know, for all the work that really goes into it, it's um, four states allow this program and you need 75 college credits. And then you can have a law firm basically apprentice you It's a full real program. It's like an unaccredited law school with the California State Bar that you communicate with, and you have to do 20 hours a week and send in tests, and halfway through, you have to do one bar exam, and it has a 16% pass rate. Hmm. Then you have to do two more years, 
And then you take the California bar that has a 36% pass rate, and then you can practice. So technically, because I'm in this program, since I've passed, I could practice with another attorney. And um, hold on. All of my kids just ran into the room. Guys, I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's not funny. (laughs) Um, Hi, guys. Hold on, guys. I'm doing a podcast, okay? Um, Thank you. Go out there. So I was, you know, I didn't pass the first time, and then I took it again, and I didn't pass the second time. And then a third time I took it, and I had COVID, and I had 104 fever, and I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Like, everyone's like, don't take it. They'll only let you take it three times. But because of the COVID year, they allowed a fourth time. And I did it. I didn't pass the third time. I was so discouraged. And I'm I'm taking hours and weeks away from my kids. I'm doing 12-hour days up, like, every single morning. I have my whole plan. I'm putting in the work. I'm not going to dinners with friends. I've I've canceled my life for mm-hmm. the last two years to really focus and do this. And every time, I felt so bad about myself but so confused. But I learned something every single time. And I was like, I'm not ready. I got to do it. I, I got to work harder. And it was so important to me to at least pass this first bar to prove to myself that I could do it. And I mean, when you have a lot of other stuff and four kids and you're not right out of college and your mind is not in this like study mindset like it used to be when I was in school, it definitely takes a second to recalibrate and figure it out. And then you're like, oh my God, am I just so old that I'm not retaining this information (laughs) now? And what's happening? Like, why aren't I passing this? And I did it, and it felt so fucking good. Like, it felt so good. Am I allowed to swear on on a podcast? You're totally allowed to swear on a podcast. Okay. Well, congratulations. And the original case that you were referencing, the one that got you started, the one that got under your skin, were you referring there to Alice Johnson? Yes. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about her? My understanding is that she was, or is rather, a grandmother who was serving a life sentence for a nonviolent drug charge. Is that right? Yeah. She um, worked at FedEx. She had five kids. Her uh, eight-year-old son just got killed on on a motorcycle. Her husband left her without any help financially or with anything. She was desperate, and she um, got fired from her job at FedEx. And Someone that worked there had told her, you know, hey, if you just answer the phone and you say this sentence and be our phone mule, you could get $1,000 every time you answer the phone. Mm. She had no knowledge of who, what, quantity of drugs. She obviously knew it was shady, but she didn't know the details of anything, and she preferred not to. And she had to do what she had to do to feed her kids. And everyone, it was a sting operation. Everyone got in trouble and got sentences. And when it came to her, she pled not guilty and she wanted to fight it because she really didn't feel like she had the accountability of what everyone else had done in this conspiracy. Mm. And it was her first time nonviolent drug offense. And she was found guilty and given a life sentence without the possibility of parole, which is the same sentence as Charles Manson. Wow. And when I saw a video that was circulating the internet, I couldn't really comprehend that. I thought, like, how could this grandmother that's, you know, has never had a ticket in her life all of a sudden get a life sentence for a nonviolent crime? So I sent it to my attorney, Sean Holly, 
who worked with my dad on the OJ case, and I had known her forever. And I just sent it the video, and I said, how does this make sense? Like, make this make sense to me. Who could we call? Does she need money for an attorney? Like, I felt so mm-hmm. ignorant. And she explained it to me a little bit deeper, but I still didn't understand it until I started to make calls. And my first call was to Ivanka Trump. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I know you're a woman. I'm sure you can understand as a mother. And she was so empathetic and understood and said, why don't you talk to my husband, Jared? And I brought him the case and it took him a few months and he really researched it and got the president behind it. And he granted her clemency and eventually gave her a pardon. That was my first experience. And you were really credited with that. I remember in 2020 when she was pardoned and I remember the image of you meeting with Trump and it was this very revealing moment because it showed two people who had their roots in a very different world, the the world of reality TV and celebrity, now in the White House, wielding a very different kind of power. And some people saw it and were like, are we living in a simulation? (laughs) And others were like, how does it take a Kardashian lobbying Donald Trump to get a person like Alice Johnson out of prison? And I wondered... What do you think of that? And do you think that celebrities have too much power? I would probably think the same thing, too. Why does it take a Kardashian to get someone like Alice Johnson out of prison? I think our laws are completely unfair, and it really opened up a lot for me. But on the other end, I would have done anything to fight for her, and I I don't care if it took a Kardashian or who it took to fight for what's right, to get her and so many people out. Um, Mm -hmm. And Alice was just the beginning of, I think, a movement within the Trump administration. You know, he uh, passed the First Step Act, which was a bill that I think has gotten out close to 30,000 people now and has changed a lot of laws inside. So I know that the ultimate goal is to get bills passed and to change the law, but I really believe that Alice Johnson was such an important face to show the public that there are lots of people like Alice inside that don't deserve that. And Mm. it showed a face with just the statistics of someone that's in Alice's situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that people might assume if you're fighting for justice reform, you can be too lenient. And that's not the case at all. There's a lot of people that deserve to be inside and that need to, you know, pay for the heinous crimes that they have done. But if there is someone, I, I believe in rehabilitation and I believe that Alice just showed America that you could let people out that are in her situation mm-hmm. that have spent decades inside for nonviolent crimes that really do deserve a second chance. And I'm always behind a second chance. I do like to bubble burst through podcasts. I think that there is, in, especially in tech, a very left-leaning bias towards the type of media consumption. So if you listen to Barry Weiss, you kind of feel like she comes off as conservative, but it's pretty funny that she herself describes herself as a liberal, uncomfortable with the excesses of left-wing culture. Um, And she goes into a little bit of that uh, right after this clip in the full podcast, where she talks with Kim Kardashian about Trump, uh, but not really in any way that holds her accountable or anything like that. But I still think she's a reasonable and rational voice that should be silenced. 